now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. Before we get into God's Word this morning, let's stand up to our feet and make our declaration as we always do every Sunday, just saying what God says about us, who we are in God. I just want you to hold your Bible high up in the air. Say this out loud and strong with me. This is God's Word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master, and to Him I am an absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, there's one thing true about us as human beings, and it is that memory leaks. Right? You hear something, and then after a couple of months, it's forgotten. And so as pastors, as teachers and preachers of the Word of God, we have this uh, important assignment to keep preaching the same subject, but from different angles. So we're preaching the same thing. We're just approaching it from a different perspective, a different angle, because people need to be reminded about certain things. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about our vision for the future, right? You say, Pastor, you've already done, done that in the beginning of the year. Well, that was six months ago. We need to do it again, right? Just to refresh ourselves, remind ourselves about our vision, who we are, where are we going as a church, and what is my part, what is your part in this vision that God and the mandate that God has given to us as a local church, as a body of people that are on a journey. So I just want us to take some time and talk about our future vision. I believe God will also speak to you personally as we discuss the future vision, where we want us as a church to go in the coming days. You know, as a church, we've always emphasized the importance of the Word and the Spirit. We want us to be strong in the Word and to be strong in the Spirit. We always emphasize that. And, and we've always said that, you know, we want to be a church that will be a church of influence and impact on the city. Now, we just don't want to come in and have a nice time for ourselves and be happy. But we want to have impact and influence, make a difference uh, on the world around us. And you probably have heard uh, the vision statement of the church over and over again. You know, probably you could, somebody wakes you up in the middle of the night, say, which church you go to, you say, I go to APC, what's the vision? And out this statement comes, you know. The vision is to be salt and light in the city of Bangalore, a voice to our nation and to the nations. So we are saying that we want to be a people of influence who will have impact, make a difference. And our emphasis is to build people and not so much to run programs. So we are a church that is focused on building people, not running programs. And I was explaining this to our team of pastors a couple of weeks ago and uh, just helping them understand the difference. You know, when we run programs, we are trying to get a bunch of people to conform and fit into something and trying to influence their lifestyle, their behavior patterns uh, through outside influence, which is the program. And as long as they're in the program, they might follow what the program requires of them. But the moment the program ceases, they cease doing what was intended because there's no influence. 
So our goal is not to run programs. Our goal is to build people. We want people to become and then out of their becoming, out of their being comes everything else. So we can have an evangelism program, push people into it and they will probably do a couple of evangelism things for a couple of weeks and then it will all stop because it was just a program. But if we equip people, build people, impart and, and instill in people the desire to win souls, the, the passion and everything that is needed to be a soul winner, it doesn't matter if there's a program or not, people will win souls. Amen? So our focus is to build people, not run programs. Now, the thing about building people is it's going to take a lot of time. It doesn't happen in a week. It takes years to build people. So some of the pastors are getting a little restless. You know, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? And I said, listen, the reason we're not doing all this is because we are building people, not running programs. Once we build people, then they will do naturally who they are. Naturally, they will win souls. Naturally, they will touch lives. Naturally, they will minister to one another. Not because of a program, but because that's who they have become. Amen? So building people is going to take time, but that's what we are about. We are about building people, equipping people, imparting into their lives, molding people, and then they're going to do whatever they are uh, in God, in Christ. I want to invite us to become a people of one mind. It's so important for all of us to have the same heart, the same mind, and so that we can all pull in the same direction. And if we as a church have everybody pulling and moving in the same direction, we will go a whole lot further than if you know, we have people pulling in a hundred different directions. Amen? So it's so important for all of us to pull in the same direction, to go in the direction God wants us as a people to go. So this morning, I'm just going to hit upon a couple of important themes here. But before we do that, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Haggai. And I just want us to read a couple of verses that will bring out a very important message in God's heart. The book of Haggai was written at a very interesting time. The city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. The temple was destroyed. The walls of the city were in ruins. The people had been in captivity for 70 years by the Babylonians. They'd now come back to the city. And they were all in a very survival mode. What can we do to survive? Now we've come back out of captivity into a city that's in ruins. Everything around us is broken down. So everybody was in a survival mode. And uh, as a response to that, unfortunately, all of the people of God were just so focused, so wrapped up in their own issues, in their own problems, in their own things of life. And in this situation, the prophet Haggai brings a message. Let's just pick this up in the book of Haggai, chapter 1. We'll read verses 5 through 10. Haggai says this. He says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, but bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Now it's God is saying, hello everybody, wake up. I mean, just look at what's happening. You go out there, you work hard, nothing, you aren't bringing anything much. You eat, but you still don't feel satisfied. You get your salary, you put it in your bank account, but it seems like there's an open end to your bank account, just goes away. I mean, hello, wake up. Can't you read the handwriting on the wall? Can't you see what's happening? Is what God is telling his people. And then he continues in verse 8. He says, here's what I want you to do. 
go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You have looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruits. See, in, out of the survival mentality, the people are so focused on, you know, I've got to build my own house. I've got to get this restored. I've got to get this taken care of. And they were so focused on it and neglected the house of the Lord, the temple of God. And in the process, they weren't accomplishing much. And so God comes through prophet Haggai and says, time to wake up. Can't you see what's happening? Every one of you is so focused on just building your own house. Here's what I want you to do. Go up to the mountain, bring wood, build my house, and I'll fill it with my glory. You continue in chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. In the middle of what Haggai is saying here, he says, verse 7, the Lord says, I will shake all nations, and they will come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. In other words, you know, don't make the excuse that we don't have enough money to build the temple. Listen, if you will build it, I will shake the nations. I will make them come to the desire of all nations. It's interesting. We have Jesus who is the desire of all nations. It's just that they don't know it. But he is the desire of all nations. And the reason they aren't coming is because we haven't built the house. So why aren't people coming? God says, build, go up to the mountain, buy wood, build my house. If you'll build it, I will shake them and cause them to come. God can do that. He says, I will cause them to come to the desire of all nations. And don't complain about money because God is saying, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. And then verse 9, he gives a promise. He says, the glory of this latter temple will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And then in this place, I will give peace says the Lord of hosts. And I skip down to verses 18 and 19. He says here in verse 18, Consider now from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider this. I mean, look at it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet the wine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree have not yielded fruit? But from this day I will bless you. That means from the day you started building, obeying to build my temple from this day, I will bless you. The message in the book of Haggai is very, very simple. God is saying, you build my house and I'll build yours. You build my house, I'll build yours. And to add to that, he gives the promise. He says, if you will build my house, I will fill it with my glory. I'll fill it. You do the building, I'll fill it with my glory, and I will shake the nations. I will cause them to come to the desire of all nations. And then he gives us this promise. He says, you know, from the day you start building, from that day, I will bless you. See, so it's not so much that God doesn't want you to build your own house, but he wants priority. And if you'll build my house, I'll build yours. So that's the challenge I want to put for us before us as, as a people this morning. Will we give priority to the building of the house of the Lord? 
And the house of God has many expressions. One is the local church. This local church is the house of the Lord. In the city, there is a citywide church. The citywide church is the house of the Lord. In our nation, we have the body of Christ in our nation. That's the house of the Lord. If you and I will invest into the house of the Lord, whether it's a local church, a citywide church, or the body of Christ in our nation, do something for the house. Build his house. His promise is, you build my house, I'll build yours. His promise is, you build my house, I'll fill it with my glory, and I'll cause the nations to come. And he says, from the day you start doing it, I will bless you. Amen. So I want to challenge us to give priority to the house of the Lord, to building the house of God. What are you doing in building His temple, His house? You know, there's a lot that goes on in building the house of the Lord. For instance, in a local church like this, there are just so many different ministries and dimensions. We spent last week, we just spent so much time planning. And a lot, a lot of things happens during the week for so many different things. We have uh, just the administrative end of things, the financial end of things, the, the member care, the, our publications, the television, and you know, performing arts and media, and Bible college, and tons of things that happens during the course of the week. Things need to be led, organized, directed, so on and so forth. But this morning, I want to talk about three areas uh, that will be of importance to us in the days to come, uh, where every ministry, whatever we are doing, really ties into these three major areas and gives expression to these three areas. I want to talk about these three specific areas, which will become of increasing importance to us. Number one is the manifesting of the supernatural for every believer. Secondly, I want to talk about unity in the citywide church. And third, I want to talk about outreach and missions. These will be three major areas of importance. We as a church, as we go forward, we'll begin to emphasize, begin to focus on, and everything else we do will somehow connect back to these three key areas. And I want to spend some time talking about this. You know, manifesting the supernatural, every believer is called to manifest the power of God, to manifest the supernatural power of God. Amen? If somebody says, you know, what is the normal Christian life? The answer is very simple. Jesus, He is the normal Christian life. He lived the life that you and I are supposed to follow. The Bible tells us we're supposed to walk in His steps. Follow His steps. Be like Jesus. And the life that Jesus lived was a continuous demonstration of the power of God, of the miraculous, of the supernatural, of healings, of deliverances, of divine interventions. That was the life that Jesus lived. Amen? Just looking at John chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible tells us, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, we beheld His glory, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We beheld His glory. Jesus walked in this glory that we call as a sonship glory. But John 1 and verse 16 tells us, Of His fullness we have all received. And grace upon grace. Meaning, all the fullness that Jesus walked in is what we have received from. It's been given to us. The glory that He walked in as the Son of God, the sonship glory, was intended to be now carried on in the church and released through the church. And we have received it with grace upon grace poured out upon our lives. God intends for every believer to manifest the same sonship glory that Jesus walked in. Because out of His fullness, we have received. 
And how was this glory manifested? John chapter 2 verse 11. Bible tells us this beginning of miracles Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. And manifested forth his glory. He manifested, put on display, made visible this sonship glory that was in him. How? Through the miracles. And Jesus said this in John 14 verse 12. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do in greater works because I go to the Father. What is God's heart? Is for every believer to manifest the glory of God through signs, wonders, and miracles. God wants you to manifest his glory. Amen? And this is an area that we're going to emphasize increasingly and begin to move and journey in to this more and more. Our desire is for every believer to be manifesting the supernatural. Everyone manifesting the power of God in them and through them. Our desire is to be a community of people who are naturally supernatural. So what do you mean? It means that, you know, for us to manifest the power of God, it's going to be the natural thing that we do. Just the natural response. When you face a need, maybe you're in your office and uh, you have a colleague who's, who's got a financial problem. Your natural response will be not, okay, let me recommend him to this good bank that gives loans. But your natural response will be, can I pray and believe God with you for a miracle? Your natural response. When you, face, when you meet somebody who's sick, hurting, your natural response will be, God, you can make all things well. So, let me pray. Your natural response will be to make a demand on the supernatural. Do you know that that is God's assignment for every believer? Amen. What did the Lord Jesus teach us to pray? He said, here's what I want you to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our assignment is for, to bring heaven on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our assignment is not to go to heaven. Our assignment is to bring heaven here on earth. Amen. Some of us are all busy. Focus on going to heaven. That's not your assignment. That's your destiny. It's going to happen anyway when you die. But your assignment is to bring heaven to earth. So in your workplace, in your school, in your college, our natural response will be, what can I do for it to be on earth as it is in heaven? In heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no pain. In heaven, there's no confusion. In heaven, there's no poverty. What can I do? Because Jesus told me, I must bring on earth what is in heaven. His will must be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our assignment. And all of us may be caught up in making that happen. Just being naturally supernatural. Our natural response will be, let's bring heaven into this situation. We want to be such a community of believers who will bring heaven into earth. The supernatural can be expressed in so many different ways. God is a creative God. He doesn't do it only one way. The power of God, the miracles of God can be expressed in so many different ways. So every area of ministry, whether it's the media, whether it's performing arts, whether it's our television productions, but whatever we are doing, every area of ministry, our life groups, everything, will be channels through which the power of God is demonstrated and released. Amen? Prayer is an avenue by which we release the supernatural. And so we want to encourage those who like to pray. Come on, get into the prayer. Send a prayer. Now, this testimony came in this past week. One of our people here in Central Church, they went to the prayer center. It was on Friday evening. They went and uh, Purmila, who's our, in charge of our prayer center, during the prayer time, she said, you know, just those who need healing, just come forward. 
So this lady went forward. I don't know all the problems, the complications, but she had a hernia. And she went forward for prayer. She was in pain and all of that, discomfort, couldn't keep food in and so on. She went forward. Purmila just prayed. During that time, prayed for her. She went home and she found herself completely healed. No pain, everything gone. Amen? Let's give God a hand, Jade. Go ahead. Get used to clapping for God. Right? And she sent this email saying, this is what happened. And uh, she also made this comment that, you know, I was so encouraged that it was Hermila who prayed. Not the pastor. Pastor wasn't there. But just Bible school graduate who is now in charge of the prayer center. She prayed and God healed. Amen. And lady made the comment, hey, if God can use Hermila, I'm encouraged. I believe God can also use me. I'm going to the same church. Amen. It's not because you go to the same church, but, you know, that's our desire that every person begins to move in the supernatural, simple ways through prayer. Some of you may be interested in moving in the prophetic and we want to equip people and begin to encourage people to move in the prophetic and, and just minister to people. And so many different expressions of the supernatural. And uh, we want to equip people in that, build people up so that we can manifest the supernatural power of God wherever we are, wherever we go. And so we have these weekend schools where we can equip people. You come out to the weekend schools, get equipped, and go out. Begin to minister, either in prayer, either in the prophetic. And just minister, express the supernatural in whatever way God's leading you to do. And yesterday we were at a life group, and, and we were so blessed just attending the life group. Just listening to testimonies of different families, different couples. What God has been doing. And I would really encourage you, if you're not part of a life group, now go connect to the life group. It's, it's just a great place to grow in the faith. And, and uh, we're just listening to one of the testimonies from one of the couples there. You know, it's just amazing how powerful the prophetic word is. Because about 18 months ago, we had visited this couple. And I uh, just spent time with them and doing prayer. We just shared with them that in about 18 months, things will change in certain areas of their lives. And I forgot. But yesterday, we so happened to be there and, and then listen to that testimony. You know, that 18 months ago, this word came and just held on to that word, just believed God. Next month will be 18 months. Last week, the breakthrough came. And she got the job that, you know, she really wanted. And just listening, saying, wow, God, you know, we forgot about all of this. But that prophetic word meant so much. And God remembered it. God was faithful to bring it to pass in their lives. Amen. So if all of us just begin to move and minister to one another, minister to the world by the word of our Lord, we'll have such powerful impact. They will know. That the God we serve is a living God. Not just some theory that we talk about on Sunday mornings. So manifesting the supernatural is going to be so important. I want you to get plugged in. Begin to move in that. Number two, I want to talk about unity in the citywide church. This will be a major area of emphasis for us as a church. And in developing unity in the citywide church. In the church in the city of Bangalore. You know, in 2006, more correctly, September of 2006, 18 and 19, September 18 and 19, we've, there, was, there was a prayer summit where a couple of us pastors were getting together, just praying, and there's somebody ministering to us as well. And on one of those days, I think it was this Tuesday, the 19th of September 2006, I remember the word of the Lord came saying, you know, I want you to shepherd the city. Shepherd the city. Not just, you know, shepherd your little congregation, or shepherd your own church. I want you to shepherd the city. I shared this with a couple of pastors saying, you know, this is something we must do. We must learn to shepherd the city. See how we can pass to the city, not just pass our own congregations. God's calling us to shepherd the city. 
And uh, over the last three years, I'm just beginning to see this all just come together, bring together, bring us to a place where we can actually begin to do that. The Unity Sunday that we had, the 15th of August, was a step in this direction where pastors can begin to come together and say, you know what? We all have different local churches, different denominations, different names, etc. But we are one body in Christ. In the city of Bangalore, Jesus has only one church. It's his church. And we all belong to it. We may meet in different congregations, local churches, but we are one church in the city of Bangalore. I believe that's a step in this direction of establishing unity. Now, unity is so important to the heart of the Lord. Let's go to John, the 17th chapter. You're very familiar with this, but let's read it again. In John chapter 17, verses 21 to 23, the Lord Jesus prayed his high priestly prayer to the Father. And he says this, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. That the world may know that you have sent me. And have loved them as you have loved me. Twice he says in verse 21 and 23. I want them to be one. So that the world may know you have sent me. In the city of Bangalore, we have many great churches, many great ministers of God, many great ministries. But yet the city has not been shaken, hasn't been affected. They still don't know. So why? Got to look at the church. Are we one? He says, I want them to be one so that the world may know. Unity is the key to world evangelization. For the body of Christ to come together in unity and it will affect cities and nations, they will begin to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. So it's so important for us to work towards this. And I want us as a church to really take responsibility to foster, to develop unity in the city, the body of Christ in our city. Now, unity does not mean uniformity. We don't have to be uniform. We don't all have to wear white shirt and white pant and a sling bag and say, Stotram. we don't need to do that. Unity does not mean uniformity. We can all be diverse. The Bible says there are diversities of operations, but it's the same spirit. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God who's working all in all. So unity does not mean uniformity. What we are working for, as Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 13 says, that we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That means we are all united in our faith and in what we know and say about the Lord Jesus Christ. So unity does not mean uniformity in doctrine. You know, some people say, don't wear any earrings. Some wear earrings on both the ears, and some wear earrings on one ear. It's okay. Take your choice. We don't have to be united in, in doctrines on these things. But as long as we are united in the faith concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the unity. That's the one thing. That can give us unity and say, hey, we all believe in the same Lord. In the same one who died for us on the cross, was buried, who rose up again. He is the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. We believe in this risen Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. We all believe in this same Savior. Therefore, we can have unity in the faith. In doctrine, sure, there are going to be differences. Some speak in tongues. Some don't know what they're speaking and some don't speak. There's going to be diversity. 
But be in the faith. We are united. And because of the faith, we are united. So we as a body must labor towards And what kind of unity are we talking about? We're talking about partnership between churches. And we're talking about partnership between churches and Christian ministries. You know, you look at the city and every church is, you know, almost doing the same thing. Everybody wants to serve the poor. Everybody's running an orphanage. Everybody's reaching out to street kids. Everybody's feeding the poor. Everybody is, you know, doing evangelism. Everybody's doing discipleship. Everybody's reaching the marketplace. Everybody is reaching the campus. Wonderful. Unfortunately, this is the main reason why we're not making any impact. Because everybody's individual effort is so weak. But if we can pool our efforts, pool the minds, pool the hearts, and the resources God has given to us, imagine what we can do. If we can all join together, we can clean out Bangalore City and give a safe home for all the children in the city of Bangalore. We can't do it. The body of Christ can do it together. If we work together, imagine what we can do to uh, bring about a rehabilitation for those in drugs. In the individual efforts, I mean, thank God for individual efforts. And you can do twos and threes and fours and fives. But if churches come together, if ministries and churches came together, we can minister to tens of thousands of drug addicts and people. A city will see the change. Amen. I mean, we will have such, I'm talking about the body of Christ, a citywide church will have such a great impact on this city if only we will join our hearts and hands and begin to work together and say, we can do this together because we have faith in the same Lord Jesus Christ and whose name, are the names of our local churches do not matter. Are the names of individual pastors and leaders do not matter. We serve the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So on you as an individual to labor towards that. When you go out and meet people, you know, don't say I'm from APC. Who cares? You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You love the Lord. So you can fellowship. You can labor together with other believers in the city and say, you know, we're doing this for the kingdom of God. We're not doing this for APC or this C and that C. No, we're doing this for the kingdom of God. So if we are of that mind, where we say, you know, we're here about the kingdom, not about our local churches. Therefore, we can work together. We're here about Jesus and not about our own denominations. If we begin to work together that way, that truly when we are one, the world will know. Jesus is Lord. Amen. So we're going to begin to emphasize that, begin to move in that direction. And I want you to partner in that and begin to live that out in your everyday life as you interact with other believers in churches and uh, ministries. Let's begin to be kingdom-minded in our city and, and work towards the unity of the body of Christ in our city. The last thing I want to address is outreach and missions. You know, as a church, I don't want us to become so inward-focused. All the teaching that you receive, all the equipping you receive is for one for a reason. It's for you to have impact on the world. Amen. It's not so that, you know, now you have 25 notebooks full of sermon notes. All the sermons I've heard at APC, you know. It's not for that. It's not so that we could just become increased in our knowledge. But it's for us to be equipped. So when we go out into the world, we can have impact and influence. So as a church, we must begin to look out. What can we do to reach out? What can we do in terms of missions? Affecting our city, our nation, and the nations of this world. So while every ministry will be outward focused, performing arts. You know, it's not just for, to entertain people in the church. So Sunday you come and, you know, Miriam and her team, you know, give you a nice kit. And you say, wow, that was nice. See you again, Miriam, next Sunday. It's not to entertain people in the church. But performing arts ministry will be a major way for us to get into places outside where they will not invite preachers. They will not call the preacher to come and preach a message. But they will call the dance team to come and minister, not minister, but, you know, do something 
in, in dance and drama and music. And they can communicate deep spiritual truths through what they do, their, uh, through their arts, and leave a lasting impression on the hearts and minds of people. So every ministry really will be focused outside the internet, the media. It's not just only to give our church people access to things and resources, but it's going to be an avenue by which we can begin to affect the world and touch hearts and lives outside so that people in the world can benefit. So everything we do must have an outward focus. How can we affect lives? So while every ministry is important, I want to just touch on a couple of things here. I believe that a major emphasis, a major area of outreach will be through the marketplace, through all of us here who Monday through Saturday are in contact with the world outside. The frontline soldiers of God's kingdom are the believers in the marketplace. You are the frontline soldiers. Because Monday through Saturday, you are out in the world. You're interfacing with people who really need to experience God and who need to know the truth about God. See, the pastor, he sits in his parsonage. And we don't have a parsonage, but you know. Most of the time, he, he's interfacing with other believers. So he's not a frontline soldier. He's more on the back, equipping, pushing people out. Who are the frontline soldiers? It's you guys out in the marketplace. Every day, you're interfacing with needy people, hurting people. So you need to be equipped. And you are going to be the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen. You people. Amen. So through our weekend schools, we have a weekend school of marketplace ministry coming up, I think, in November or so. We want to equip people and say, this is how you can impact the world for Jesus Christ. In your school, in your college, in your place of work. You are there as a representative of Jesus Christ. When you go to meet those big bosses and when you go to meet all those you know, influential people, you are going there as a representative of Jesus Christ. A pastor, a preacher, an evangelist will never be in that boardroom, will never be in that office, but you are there as a servant of the Most High God. You are a Joseph, you are a Daniel in that place. And you need to know that you are a frontline soldier for the kingdom of God. Amen. We want everyone here to be outward looking, begin to say, how can I influence my workplace? How can I touch lives, win souls, disciple people and transform culture in where I am? How can I affect the seven mountains, the seven spheres of society? That will be a major area. Our TV and publications will be a major outreach in the days to come. You know, on TV, I can speak in Hindi, Kannada and many other languages. I can't do that in real life. What's happening is we get our programs dubbed into Hindi Canada, we're working on these two languages right now. And so all these Sunday morning sermons are now in Hindi, sent out to many places in northern India on local cable TV so that the word of God can come to people in their language. And we're also putting these series in, in, in video schools and, and going to give it to pastors so that pastors can be equipped in their own language and then in turn equip churches, their people. So our TV ministry, that's such an important part of what's going to happen. And our publications, we're already doing that. We already have several of them in five languages or so. But our goal is to really cover all the major languages in India. Our desire is to place our entire publications in the hands of pastors in remote places. They may never go to a Bible college. They may never have access to OM books or ELS or any of that. But these publications that come to them will be a school for them. They can learn from it, be equipped, and in turn begin to give in to the lives of their people. 
That's what we desire to do through our publications. And it's already happening. People from different places in, in our nation, they, they write, they contact us and say, you know, we, we, we've been so blessed with the publication. We're using it to teach our people. And that's what we desire. And through the TV and through the publications, we can be in many places at the same time. Somebody made the other comment. It's so hard to get, get this, get, you know, saying about me. Say, so hard to get him out of Bangalore. But, but sometimes I think, you know, why do I need to travel? We have television. We have books. They can go to so many places at one time. So we can just invest and do a good job of that. We can really touch many cities, many nations, all at the same time. So television, publications, be a very important part of what we're doing. And lastly, I want to just talk about church planting. Planting churches will be a great way for us, will be an important way for us to reach out to our, uh, to our nation and to other nations. Um, we plant churches, you know, our Bible college students, they go out and they start churches. But here's what I want to challenge you with. I want you to see yourself as a church planter. So what do you mean? Somebody who starts churches. How can that happen? In the book of Acts, the church in Antioch was started by some believers who were scattered from Jerusalem because of the persecution. Persecution came, so they had to leave Jerusalem. They went in different parts. Some of them landed up in Antioch. And when they came to Antioch, all they did what was natural to them. They just shared the gospel. People got saved. And a church was born by just believers who left Jerusalem and went to Antioch. But Antioch became a prototype church, one of the greatest apostolic churches. Out of that church, the apostle Paul was launched. He was a nobody until then, but Barnabas went and brought him to the church in Antioch. He spent two years teaching there. And then the Lord said, Paul, Saul, now I got a ministry for you. Go out. And from Antioch, the apostle Paul traveled and came back to Antioch and really turned the entire Asia Minor upside down for Jesus Christ. But who started the church in Antioch? A nameless, faceless group of people started the church in Antioch. What brought them there? They were scattered. Today, it may not be persecution that takes you to another place. It may be a job transfer. Your boss comes to you and says, hello, tomorrow I'm sending you to Timbuktu. I said, Timbuktu? And immediately you start thinking, is there an APC in Timbuktu? I said, oh, you know, pastor, is there an APC in Timbuktu? And say, no, there's no APC. What was your response? I'm not saying you have to do this all the time, but you know, I want you to say, you know, maybe... God's hand is in this for me to go and plant a church in Timbuktu. Amen? And you say, but I haven't studied in Bible college. You know, I, I haven't gone to, you know, a seminary. That's okay. You're receiving an impartation of your life Sunday after Sunday. You can be a church planter. So sometimes it happens like that. But other times, I want to encourage you. It should happen intentionally. So what do you mean? That you purpose on your own, of course, with the leading of the Lord, to get a job. In Afghanistan or some other part of the world. So, you know, I'm going there. I have this professional skill. I have this ability. I'll get a job, go there, work there. But my real reason is I want to raise up a church in that place. Do it intentionally. It's so sad. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking at uh, some missions organization uh, that had their annual gathering and went there to speak. And I looked at the crowd and, you know, more than 90% of the people were above like middle age or older. I was like, what's going to happen to the future of missions in India? No young people willing to say, I'll be a missionary for Jesus. Now, there's nothing bad with old people doing missions, but what about the youth? And I told them, I said, listen, if you don't reach the youth in 10 years, your organization will die. Because look at the people sitting here. They're all, I mean, that, I'm talking about that, that setting. All the missionaries here are above middle age and beyond. What's happening to the church, the urban church? Lost the focus of missions. You look back into church history and you will find 
that every, almost every great missionary movement happened because of young people. The student missionary movement, a milestone in Christian history. It was students who said, I will give my life to be a missionary. On purpose, intentionally, they decided to go to places where the gospel had to be preached. I want to challenge us. You know, we are urban people. We spend our lifetimes pursuing career goals and professional growth and making money and acquiring wealth and possession and status. And, you know, all that's wonderful. But what about the kingdom of God? What about you deciding to be a missionary for Jesus? If you look at the church today, most missionaries come from rural areas or semi-urban areas. And we think missionary is for poor people. Missions is for poor people. But I'm educated. Don't disturb me. My mission is money, power, influence, wealth. I want us to change that. On purpose, will you say, God, I'll be a missionary. Now, it doesn't mean you have to leave your job. It just means you use your job, use your career in a strategic way to be a missionary. Go plant a church somewhere. Take up a job. I mean, you could very well get a job in New York. But you say, you know, instead of going to New York, let me go to some other place where my life can have significance for the kingdom of God. You're doing the same thing. Pursuing a similar profession, a career, whatever. But on purpose, intentionally, you're saying, God, I'm making myself available to you to go to any place you tell me, God, where there is a need, where there's a need for a Christian witness, where a church needs to be raised up, where people need to be told about the gospel of Jesus. I will use my career. I will work. I will pursue my profession. But I, on, in, on purpose, I will serve God. I'll raise up a church. Why don't you start praying that way and say, God, can I do something for the kingdom of God? Rather than just pursuing my own, building my own house, can I do something with my job, with my career, with, the, uh, with, with all the degrees that I have, with all the education I have, with all the experience I have, can I do something to build the house of the Lord? Be a church planter. Wherever you go, plant a church. It doesn't have to be called all people's church. It doesn't have to look like a church. But you're winning souls and discipling people. You're raising up a church. Amen. In the book of Haggai, chapter 1 and verse 12, you look at that verse. You see that in this mission that God had given Nehemiah, essentially, different groups of people came together. There was Haggai the prophet, Ezra the priest, Nehemiah the, the visionary, the project leader. And then there was Zerubbabel who was a politician, the governor. They all came together and said, we will build the house of God. And I believe God's doing that in this day, this hour. It's no longer the responsibility of the priest to build the house or just the prophet. We need the politicians, people in the marketplace. We need the visionaries, the project leaders, the people who have strong leadership abilities. We need them all coming together to saying, together we will build the house of the Lord. So I want to leave us with this challenge. I want to call each one of us to participate in this vision. In a mandate that God's put upon us as a body, we're going to pursue the supernatural, saying, God, we want to be a supernatural people. We want to talk, work towards unity in the citywide church so that the city can be affected. And we want to talk about missions and outreach and say, God, what can we do, each one of us do, to reach people? It requires everyone's involvement, everyone participating. It's going to be required to sacrifice of time, of talents, of money. And we must be willing to pull in to make this happen. Let's become a community with kingdom culture where we prioritize, give priority to the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Everything else will be added to you, Jesus said. So I want to challenge you, would you be like Jesus? 
about Jesus, it was said, the zeal of your house has consumed me. I'm filled with passion for the house of the Lord. The zeal of the Lord's house has consumed me. Jesus said, my food, in John 4.34, he said, my food is to do the will of the Father and to finish his work. I want to do what the Father has sent me. This food consumes uh, my food, the very sustenance, the thing that really gives me energy is doing the will of the Father and to complete his work. This morning, the message is very simple. The Lord is saying, you build my house, I'll build yours. question is, are you and I willing to do that? Or are we going to be preoccupied with our own pursuits? Nothing wrong in, in believing God for a good career and a good job. and All that is good, and God wants you to have that. There's nothing wrong with that. But will you give priority to building the house of the Lord? Will you say, God, building your house is more important? Knowing that if you will seek first His kingdom, all these other things will be added to. Each one of us can do something for this local church. This is the house of the Lord. Each one of us can do something for the citywide church. It's the body of Christ. Each one of us can do something for the body of Christ in our nation and other nations. Saying, God, I'm willing to give my life to serve the house of the Lord. The zeal of the Lord's house will consume me. I want us to take a few moments to pray before we close. and See what the Lord is speaking to you this morning. Maybe he's just calling us to reorder our priorities. You say, God, you know, I've been so busy pursuing my own career, my own thing in life. I, I've been too busy to build the house of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to his people. He says, consider your ways. Pause. Take time to reflect on what's happening. Consider your ways. So will you do that this morning? Will you consider your ways? Am I building the house of the Lord? Am I doing anything? I mean, a little part. Am I investing something to build the house of God? Because if we will all be of one mind and say, let's build a house, then God says, I will shake the nations and I will cause them to come to the desire of all nations. I will fill it with my glory. Now, don't worry about the money. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. I'll provide, God is saying. But he just is looking for a people who will say, I want to do my part to build the house of the Lord. Maybe God is challenging some of you saying, you know, hey, God's blessed you with great skill, professional ability. How about intentionally using it to advance the kingdom of God? How about intentionally finding some part of this world that needs a local church, that needs a Christian witness, that needs a man or a woman who will be a Daniel or a Joseph? And maybe this morning God is tugging on your heart and saying, you know, will you do that for me? Sure, you could live in Bangalore and become the you know, the president, the vice president, the CEO, or and become a big show. Sure, you can travel to some other place and do something great for yourself. But maybe the Lord's tugging on your heart saying, you know, can I count on you that you would use, intentionally use what I've given you to advance my kingdom? And if God's doing that, then I just want you to say yes. And you may not know all the details now. You may not know the place he wants you to go, where he wants you to do this. But if you will just respond and say yes, then God will begin to unfold the rest of the story for you. He's looking for some modern day urban missionaries. Some highly skilled, highly trained, educated men and women like Paul. And if God's tugging on your heart, would you this morning say, yes, Lord. I mean, what's this life after all? Going to live 70 years, 80 years, go to heaven. I'd rather invest the 70, 80 years that I have on earth for something that can bring heaven to earth. It can change a community, change a city, change a nation to something. 
of great value. I want you to respond and say, yes, Lord, I'll make it my priority to build a house, to do something for the house of God. And Lord, I want my life to count for God's kingdom. Would you do that this morning? And, you know, and if you're willing to do this, if you're willing to say, God, you know, I'd like to give my life for the kingdom of God, for the purpose. Especially, God, I'm willing to be a missionary, a modern day missionary. I'm not saying it means that, you know, you quit your job. But I'm saying you use your job, use your profession, use your career intentionally to advance the kingdom. And as a sign of your obedience, if you want, and I'm not saying you have to, but if you want, I just want you to walk up to the altar this morning and say yes to the Lord. Yes, God, I'll be a modern day missionary for Jesus. Anywhere, anytime, anything, I'm ready to do Jesus. I will use my career. I'll use my job. I'll use my talents to advance your kingdom. And if you feel that God's speaking to you on that, you want to respond, I want to invite you to just come up forward to the altar. Just a sign between you and God saying this day you're making a commitment to be a missionary for Jesus, a modern day missionary for Jesus. Just come on forward, just meet with the Lord. Stir us up, raise us up, Lord God, to be people who be kingdom-minded, God. Just begin to think about how to extend your kingdom here on earth. Come, Lord, do in us what you desire to do. Make us the kind of people you want us to become, God. Every one of us, God. That, Lord, be like the early church, Lord. There will be set of us, these men who have turned the world upside down. They have come here also. When we walk in situations, they will say, these people have turned the world upside down. They come here. Lord, use us. Empower us. Father, we just want to thank you for these people who've, who've made an open statement that they're willing to be modern day missionaries, take up the challenge and just give what they have for the purpose of your kingdom. That I know you've marked it down on your calendar, God. You've made a note of their statements. You've made a note of their commitment. You will take them up on this challenge, God. That God, you will give them a vision, a heavenly vision and a heavenly dream. And like Paul, may they also say to this heavenly vision, I was not disobedient. Let them be men and women who will turn the world upside down. Let them be men and women who will carry an anointing or carry a vision or carry grace and ability to affect the hearts and lives of many, many people. We just thank you, Father. We thank you. Bless you. Build my house. I'll build yours. Amen. Let's be a people. We'll give ourselves to the building of the house of the Lord. Let's pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance on you. And give you his peace. In Jesus name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.